Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Bickley. Sports, man. Sports. Vince Morata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Morata. Bickley and Morata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Morata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning, Valley sports fans. What is happening, everybody? Dan Bickley, Vince Morata, Jared Carlin, Sarah Cazell. We are all back together again. And this is going to be an interesting day to uh, to engage in sports talk radio. You've got the debut of Corbin Carroll. You've got all this football news circulating. And you've got Serena Williams through her first match. Staying alive. A little wobbly. A little rusty. Yeah, that first the first set when she was up two nothing and then down three two, you're like, mm-hmm. uh oh, it's turning. Well, she's got the second seed in round two, so yeah. yeah. Now the, all those um, people that paid thousands of dollars to see her last match are yeah, so well, it's half celebrities there, anyway. There was kind of a feel last night that it was sort of like everyone was just going to say goodbye to her, which yeah. was kind oh, of yeah. ironic. Well, I gave that away the three hour post match. <laughs> Tribute yeah. to her. Yeah, and, and again, I think that going into this, I, I had visions of this being like a Jimmy Connors magical goodbye, Pete Sampras magical goodbye, that kind of thing. Andre Agassi had a long uh, the Andre Agassi had a yeah. magical goodbye. This just feels like goodbye. This doesn't feel like this is built for – and listen, you and I know tennis because you and I played tennis fairly competitively – when Serena Williams, in her prime, her two-handed backhand is of a force of nature. She was slicing everything because the movement just isn't there. Yeah, the footwork. Yeah, because to get on top of the ball and actually hit the two-handed backhand, you got to you, you have your foot. You, you got your foot yeah, speed. Yeah. So, but but I'm there for it. She is she is sports royalty, so she gets whatever send off she gets. Give but her, I, her flowers, right? Yeah, now. exactly. I just I was hoping. I was hoping that this thing would look a little better. Her her tournament before the U.S. Open, she played with Cincinnati, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Out in the first round. Right. Yeah. And it was kind of like, oh, yeah. oh, okay. Well, I mean, who wants to stay any longer than they have to in Cincinnati, <laughs> to be fair? That's a really good point. point. You know what else tonight is? Our Pac-12 fantasy football draft. Wow. I'm taking a new strategy this year. Oh, good. I've done have no fun. research. I've bought no magazines. I've paid attention to nothing. I think this is the swan song. Is it? It's the swan song it for the conference. Well, it might, be, it it might be, the be the swan song for the conference, too. I mean, so yeah, it might as well yeah. be the swan song for the league. <laughs> and that goofy-ass trophy you guys circulate. <laughs> goofy? It's the oh, second those are fighting, best. I forget. Those are fighting words. the second best trophy I in forget. all of sports. Those are fighting words. <laughs> Behind what? I the forget. WNBA All-Star MVP? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, which is bigger? No, it, uh, our trophy is about ten times as big as the WNBA yeah. MVP trophy. Wow! Yeah, good for you. Luke Lipinski claims he's done no research either. Oh. Lies. You will cruise to a victory. 
the you ultimate, that? The ultimate sandbagger. I'll cruise through victory and we'll snooze to one way to <laughs> Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> That's into where you guys uh, where are you guys doing it at? Online. Oh, okay. Nobody cares. No, yeah. <laughs> the days of, of renting a party boat. And uh, where was that? That was at the height of it when we, when we had the draft on a boat in San Diego. Did y'all get seasick looking at your computers doing that? We weren't actually. We were just on the dock, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I would absolutely Whose boat was it? I don't know. Some, some rich, stranger's boat. Really? <laughs> just we hopped found on? one that was oh, open. Okay. Yeah, just walked down to it. Just walked down the dock. I was wondering how that hey, price hey, point hit you guys. Yeah, this no one's wonder. not covered. This one's not. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks, rich person. <laughs> Appreciate it. That's interesting. Uh, okay. Good enough. We're going to have fun today. <laughs> Start the show, Jared. Quick, hop on my dinghy. <laughs> No, thank the you. Splash, no. splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The splash. Animal. Animal coming. Animal coming. The splash. Brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Yeah, the Corbin Carroll era got started last night. The D-backs top prospect made his major league debut after just 142 games in the minors, just 33 games at AAA, and the debut came in a weird Weird baseball game. The Phillies shelled Madison Bumgarner for seven runs on 11 hits. He was chased in the fourth inning. Philadelphia starter Ranger Suarez was unhittable for three innings, and then he wasn't. The D-backs exploded for six runs in the fourth to pull to within one. They tied it in the fifth when Jake McCarthy got plunked by a pitch with the bases loaded, and then Carroll had a two-run double. That gave them their first lead. They'd go on to win 13-7 at Chase Field. Largest come-from-behind victory in franchise history. First time in franchise history they've scored six or more runs in back-to-back innings. Uh, the D-backs got five and a third innings of hitless score relief from Luis Frias, Caleb Smith, and Reyes Maranta as they won their fourth straight game. That series continues tonight. Chase Field, Zach Gallen taking the hill, trying to extend his scoreless inning streak, which right now stands at 27 and a third innings. He'll be faced by Phillies Aaron Nola. 6.40 first pitch here on 98.7. Yeah, FM. listen, this is, I really like where this whole thing is trending. This is a second consecutive night that the Diamondbacks are must-watch television. They are now seven games below 500. They've won four in a row, and now they've had this added juice of Corbin and Carol. A lot to say about last night's game, but you're right in saying that Mad Bum almost destroyed the whole evening. Oh, There's just through batting practice. Everything the Phillies hit was hard and high. <laughs> Everything. You're right. It was. Uh, it, it, it might have been his worst start as a Diamondback. It might have been his last start yeah, as a Diamondback. That's true, too. Aaron Judge of the Yankees at his 50th home run of the season last night in a 4-3 loss to the Angels in Anaheim. He becomes just the 10th player in Major League Baseball history with multiple Multiple 50 home run seasons and joins Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle as the only Yankees to do it. And it's still August, by the way. And How about that? 33 games left. Yeah. He's on pace for 63, which would break the Yankees record. Albert Pujols continued his quest for 700 home runs. He hit number 694 in a 13-4 route of Cincinnati. And he broke a major league record by homering off his 450th different pitcher. Number 450 was Ross Detweiler of the Reds. Congratulations. Cardinals need to have their roster cut down to 53 by 1 o'clock today. they got a head start on that process. Officially cutting three players. Cornerback Josh Jackson among them. Linebacker Joe Walker. Offensive lineman Coda Martin. Also reports that the team is cutting veteran outside linebacker Devon Kennard and cornerback Jace Whitaker, who has spent time with the Cardinals over the last two seasons, both on the active roster and the practice squad. Kennard, in two years as a Cardinal, 43 tackles, 3 sacks in 28 games, so it's not a big loss. Productive.
production-wise, but kind of a curious move. We'll keep you updated on all the roster moves uh, by the Cardinals as the morning goes along. Uh, Jimmy G, after all, not going anywhere, Big. Wow, what a weird story. <laughs> 49ers and Garoppolo have agreed on a, run, a restructured one-year deal to keep him in San Francisco for another no. year to serve as the highest-paid backup in the league. The, even people who covered the 49ers were apologizing to their readers yesterday, saying we should have seen this coming. That last game by Trey Lance, I'm telling you, it yep. left a mark. Yep. That's all I could think about when this came out was like how you were pointing that out all the last two weeks. Seri- they it, must be like having buyer's remorse on Trey Lance. Well, they have to because what they just did is a serious, serious issue for this football team. He, if he goes and loses to the Bears in week one, he's going to be on the bench. Now you got a quarterback controversy. Yes. But is he going to lose to the Bears? Bears. <laughs> Just hand it off 50 <laughs> times. You'll be fine. Tell you, Justin Fields going to be good, man. Around the Might league. Mark it down. The Miami Dolphins uh, cut uh, running back Sony Michelle, who led the Super Bowl winning Rams in rushing last season. He had just signed with the Dolphins in May. Uh, the Dolphins also cut wide receiver, veteran wide receiver Mohamed Sanu. Baltimore Ravens cut safety, former Cardinal and big-time Phoenix Suns fan Tony Jefferson. And the Jaguars traded wide receiver LaVisca Chenault. I just like that name. Yeah, uh, To too. the Carolina Panthers. He had 63 uh, catches for the Jags last season. Uh, just two days away from ASU's 2022 football season opener. The Devils will be a little shorthanded on the defensive side of the ball against NAU on Thursday. Projected starting cornerbacks Jordan Clark to Marcus Davis both out for Thursday's contest. Roe Torrance and Ed Woods scheduled to start at the corners. And we will have our first weekly visit of the season with ASU head coach Herm Edwards tomorrow morning here on Bickley and Murata mornings. And yeah, we mentioned it. Uh, Serena Williams' stay at the U.S. Open will be longer than one match. The legendary six-time U.S. Open champion won her opening round match against Danka Pavinic, 6-3, 6-3 on Monday night. She gets uh, second-seeded Annette Contivate in the second round. Uh, a second seed on the women's side in a Grand Slam tournament that I will raise my hand and say I'd never heard of until this morning. I think there's going to be a lot of that at the U.S. Open this year. I think so, too. And there was a slew of upsets yesterday, too, mm-hmm. which kind of uh, complicated things. There you go. There is your splash for Tuesday, August 30th. Uh, we'll get into some of the Cardinals roster cutdown maneuvers next. Do they make sense or not? It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Today is the day in the NFL where the unemployment rate spikes because it's cut-down day. Everybody's got to get down from 80 to 53. We've heard some rumblings. Actually, three players officially let go yesterday, including cornerback Josh Jackson, Mm -hmm. uh, whom was on that speculation list, Bick. Is he going to make it? Weak position right now. Uncertainty about Antonio Hamilton. Not only was he let go, what a bust he's become. They also let uh, Jace Whitaker go, another mm-hmm. guy who's got experience in this defense. So you want to talk about just a thin, thin room right now. Uh, it started thin. I don't know, emaciated. Is that the word you'd use for the Cardinals' quarter, cornerback room right now? Yeah, I think the release of Devon Kennard is is even more surprising than anything. That happened yesterday. Let's break that down. Devon Kennard, it's rumored he's going to be let go. Ian Rappaport put it out there. uh, And Devon Kennard actually quote tweeted it. Yeah. And said, cold world, see what God has in store for me next. Right. He's accepted So I think he's released. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But Rappaport brought the point up. um, And and we saw these two 
two guys flash, especially in the last game against Tennessee, MyJ Sanders and Cameron Thomas. They spent two third-round picks on edge rushers. Mm-hmm. Devon Kennard is a name. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he flashed a couple of times during the preseason as well. But for two years, there hasn't been a whole lot of production from the pass rushing standpoint from Devon Kennard with the Cardinals. Well, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think what you're saying is that MyJ Sanders and, and Jesse Lucetta, kid from Penn State, mm-hmm. who I was given a big heads up about, who's been okay. He's not been as good as, as my source told me he was going to be, but he's been okay. But I think the Cardinals have seen enough from the two of those guys to believe they can save money and let go of Devon Kennard. Mm-hmm. But Devon Kennard's got experience. And again, we're getting in this trap again here of guys who look really good in games that don't matter. Now, what happens if the real stuff happens and these guys shrivel? What if if you're not good in games that do matter? Because, again, three sacks in 28 games for Devon Kennard? Well, okay. Yeah, all right. That's... Yeah, I get you. I, I I know what you're saying there, but I but I think this is I think this is more financial based than anything. The Cardinals own web. It's been pointed out the Cardinals own website said Devon Kennard was a lock for the 53 man roster. Mm-hmm. But there's been uh, you know different out uh, outlets and you know our our guy Tyler Drake put out his roster projection and there's one on the Athletic and there's one on ESPN.com and there seems to be a consensus on about. You know, 49 of those guys, but there's like four different names. And I hadn't seen one that didn't include Devon Kennard. So I was a little bit surprised yeah, by it. And so again, the fact that uh, you know, he was uh, able to show something in preseason. Uh, but there they go. So uh, the and and so as far as the as far as far as the cornerback thing goes, I think this is it, this is clear that they're going to have to keep just swamping and swarming the position until they find some guys who can play. I, I'm really I'm struggling with this idea that this cornerback I saw in the Big Ten and Josh Jackson was so impactful in college and he can't even make this roster. With this group of cornerbacks? It is a cursed name in Phoenix. Well said, Jared. (laughs) Well said. Yeah, it's very well said. And you pointed it out. It was preseason. Josh Jackson playing in the secondary against third and fourth teamers for different teams. But he didn't look like a liability out there. He He looked pretty good to me. And I think a lot of people that you know have covered the Cardinals, you know, everyday mm-hmm. practice activity out of training camp were a little bit surprised by that too. I think so for I, a couple of reasons. He just to me, and again, I I've, I I didn't see a ton of him in the preseason. I don't know what his total reps were. He just doesn't look as twitchy as he did in college. Fair. He looked very twitchy and very just bam disruptive in college, and I I haven't seen that. I don't know if he's playing at a heavier weight. I don't know what it is, but that kind of disappoints me. So there, uh, the search continues to field a competent secondary. <laughs> yeah, we still have not had any movement on trade talks. Uh, does that become more of a possibility once these rosters are quote unquote set around the league? We'll see. Is anybody? I mean, I was I was looking at the names at defensive back that were let go yesterday around the league, and there's not really much to speak of. I, mm-hmm. I still think one of those street free agents with experience is probably the better way to go uh, if you can't make a trade. But uh, the Cardinals, I'm sure they have a plan on how they're going to attack the position. Uh, we should get some more clarity. Are you really? <laughs> okay, I'm glad somebody is. Well, I. I it would it, to use one of your I'm favorite be, words. Would it not be derelict if they don't? Be, it, I'm being facetious. <laughs> yes, it, they, they have to have some sort of plan. But but again, where is this cornerback going to magically materialize from? We've been hearing about a, a, an impending trade for weeks. Yeah, here was Cliff Kingsbury after the game on Saturday when asked about 
Antonio Hamilton and the state of the cornerback room. We got to see what's what's out there. I think um, Ham. That was an unexpected uh, situation, and um, you know, made, makes the numbers look really thin. Uh, looking at week one, possibly. So uh, we'll see how everything plays out over the next couple of days, and, and, and I'm sure we will be um, looking heavily to see what's out there. This is the second straight preseason for the Cardinals where there's a, a healthy level of uncertainty about one of the corners that they were going to count on. Last year it was Malcolm Butler. Mm-hmm. He walked away from the team. The year before that it was Robert Elford. No, well, two years it was waiting for him well, to contribute. I mean, at least that was clear cut. He was injured, mm-hmm. but you know, there's mystery around Antonio Hamilton right now. It yeah, sounds like is. it sounds like a strange situation. It sure don't does. know what it is. I don't think he's thinking about walking away from football, but. We have no clarification on it. Is he going to be ready to go for week one? Well, we're going to know when, when the Cardinals are forced to tell us, Vinny. That's Remember, what we were when, told. when they're forced to tell us, that's when we're going to find out what's when the deal with Antonio. When we've got to tell you stuff, that's what we'll tell you. Until yeah. then, don't even ask. This, this does sound a little different than your standard football injury. Mm-hmm. For a guy that had usurped Marco Wilson on the depth chart, this, yeah, it's, it's a little bit odd what is, what is whatever has afflicted him um so yeah again i i i don't maybe we're full maybe we're feeling a sense of panic or unease because the preseason games are over there are still two weeks before week one begins so there is time still and once all these players get cut i believe the figure that was floating around yesterday 864 guys is that what it is yeah 864 guys are going to get cut so a lot of dudes looking for work after that. Yeah. The thing that worries me is that even if they have a plan for the secondary, it takes another step for that plan to come through at this point. Because you either need to have a willing trade partner or the right person has to be cut over the next day. What are you worried about? They're only playing the Chiefs in week one. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> My mistake. <laughs> Is yeah. that all? <laughs> That's it. They're well, a run first team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is it's, their quarterback have a tired arm or anything? Nothing? No, but again, it's I, I don't know really what is... I, I, there's time here, but I've, I've been a little bit uneasy. This has just been a really wacky, unsettling offseason from the jump. It really has been. And, and things have worked out to this point. And, you know, for all the drama, the Cardinals have looked competent in these preseason games for what it's worth. And at least aesthetically, it's worth something. But there are there are a lot of questions here. And I just keep going back. I don't I don't know what they're doing with their payroll, because in years past, when they were looking to save money, they would do exactly what this year's team is doing, where they would be 15 to 20 million dollars under the salary cap and when people would go what are you doing with that money oh we're going to extend guys we have some of the guys we got now we want to get them under contract going forward so they use the current uh, the current salary cap space to address future bills mm-hmm. instead of using it to address now and and this is there's just been too much of this and maybe it's maybe it's the Kyler Murray contract maybe it's that um, hundred and eighty nine and a half million dollars guaranteed they got to put in escrow I don't know what it is but it just seems to me a little odd that with this opportunity in front of this football team that they're leaving the defense looking so vulnerable where 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 X amount of players are gonna have to break in and break out 
Yeah, so, that, that's the reality of the situation yeah. right now. Not saying it's impossible no. that it can't happen, but that's kind of where I, they're putting their eggs I'm in that basket. I'm not trying to be Mr. Negative. I, I, I know we all want to be positive about this football team, but let's let's be real here. We've seen this before. Yeah. Bix Picks is back for the 2022 NFL season. Text PICK to 620-620. That'll get you signed up, and you can compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize 75-inch TV courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners will receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to Cold Beers and Cheeseburgers. Just text PICK to 620-620 to enter. Coming up next, we saw the debut of a prized prospect for the Diamondbacks and went pretty well for Corbin Carroll. We'll get into all that next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Swing and a floater. There's his first big league hit. It's going to score two. Carroll's on his way to second. He's got a two-run double, and the Diamondbacks lead it 9-7. to seven. Welcome to the big leagues, Corbin Carroll, perfectly served out in the left center field, and he's given the Diamondbacks a 9-7 lead. They've come back from a 7-0 deficit. They would tack four more runs on to make it 13-7. Greg Schulte on the call on the D-backs radio network last night. First major league hit for Corbin Carroll in his first major league game, and it was impactful. Broke the tie. Um, and there's only one way to say it. It was a weird, weird baseball game last night. To fall behind seven nothing and then score thirteen consecutive runs. Yeah, I, I'm not. I, I'm not so sure it was weird as it was just a baseball team ready to kind of execute a historic evening in a in a in a big time production and a starting pitcher was throwing batting practice. That's what I saw. Um, so it, it, I I thought the game began very very um, very baseball like. Buck Showalter when he was manager of the Diamondbacks, he had an old saying. He said the, a baseball was like a little white rat and the little white rat would always find the new player on a baseball field uh-huh. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened to Corbin Carroll where a second was it two pitches into the game uh, second hitter Bryce it was Bryce Harper right okay yeah yeah, yeah. lost this deep fly ball that everybody knows Kyle Schwarber wasn't it yeah, it was Kyle Schwarber. He was the leadoff hitter of the game. Oh, yeah. I, I'm thinking of a different play. You're right. Schwarber was the leadoff hitter, and he hit one to the track. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he hit one that, that everyone thought was gone. So now here you are, Corbin Carroll. You might have had an hour of outfield practice at Chase Field. Maybe, I don't know what time he got here, but you you don't know the park that well. And now you're drifting back, and you're like, okay, he makes the catch. All right, that moment, it was just a little shaky, and we're all like, can you believe that right at the start of the game, the ball's coming right at this guy? (laughs) And then then there was the play that you mentioned, Bryce Harper, where uh, he hit the ball 113 miles per hour. (laughs) I'd venture to guess that Corbin Carroll has never seen a ball come at him that hard in minor league baseball. Maybe. It, I mean, that's that's up, that's up there on the stat numbers. It. You were right. He butchered it. He, he tried to make a sliding catch, and he, he was in position to do it. He just kind of, I don't know, kind of whiffed on it. it. Yeah, kind of uh, whiffed on it. So it was it was an inauspicious beginning, but he he rebounded and impressed his manager Tori Lovello. I, I thought he managed the game really really well, um, and it's hard to walk into the situation that he was. Um, I'm sure with a lot of eyes on him, um, a lot of different demands on his time throughout the course of the day and then he goes out there and, and has the big hit and I think it was a game winning RBI if I'm not mistaken right um, gets the left on left very tough left hand pitcher with a great approach and doubles into left center field um, that to me is somebody that's prepared ready um, 
was committed to the process and, and executed a really good plan. Um, it's you know, he's, he's just turned 22 eight days ago, right? It, he played he played well above that for me today. He just he had a really nice day where he slowed things down. Yeah, and Corbin Carroll after the game, he also spoke to the media on what he'll remember from his first game. I think some of those moments are still to come with going to see family and friends out there, uh, but I say from, from so far. Uh, just how, how how grounded I felt. It just it felt like the same process. Uh, you know, I, I think that's just important to remember. He's, he's sticking with that process, and uh, you know, let the results figure themselves out. Yeah, the the reason why I use the the definition weird to describe that game yeah. is if you watch the first three innings of that game, the Diamondbacks couldn't do anything right. I mm-hmm. mean, Madison Bumgarner couldn't get anybody out. Yeah, uh, I think the Phillies hit nine balls against him that were a hundred miles an hour or more. He was absolutely getting just shelled <laughs> all ridiculous. over the field. Yeah, they weren't playing good defense, and their at bats were mm-hmm. pathetic. Yeah, so to see that big of a okay. turnaround in a seven nothing right. hole is it, it, you might watch baseball for the next fifty years and not see that again. It, it felt it just felt. Like to me, the minute that Madison, you know, sometimes when you're playing a dominant starting pitcher, and when he comes out of the game because he's throwing too many pitches, the team in the other dugout gets a lift because they yeah. don't have to face that guy anymore. Mm-hmm. It felt like the Diamondbacks got a lift when they took Mad Bum out of the game because he was giving them no chance to win. And that's been that's been the theme lately. Mm-hmm. Madison Bumgarner's last five starts. Uh, the team is uh, two and three. He doesn't have any decisions. He's given up 44 hits in 26 and a third innings, 27 earned runs. Uh, opponents are batting 373 against him. His ERA is 923, and the opposing OPS is 1041. Mm. Though you're not going to win. I mean, again, to win that game with that performance last night is is remarkable. Yeah, but you said it during the splash. They skipped his spot in the rotation on the road trip. So he gets the ball against Philly. That might have been his worst start as a Diamondback. And you said it might have been his last start as a Diamondback. I don't know how you can run it back out there, especially if you're playing meaningful games now. I know Gambo tweeted about it last night, too, and said, look, you you got to shut this guy down at this point. He's just not helping the team win. And if you're you're really embarking on this youth movement, why not give another young starter a chance maybe to, to fit into that rotation? But he just looks... Like a shell of his former self, no confidence at all. No, and that's the thing. There was uh, there was a play last night where after the pitch, they pointed out on the broadcast that he snapped his head back to see what his velocity reading was on the scoreboard. And that right there is all you need to know. That that right there tells you he is not confident in his whip and his ability to snap the baseball. And here's how slow that pitch was. He was able to look back and see the velocity before the ball even got to the catcher. That's how bad it is. So what, where is this leading then, though, if they shut him down now? Are they, are what do you they mean where it's leading? Buy him out in the offseason? I mean, I mean there's the two, pace in rodeos where it's leading. There's two years left in the, on the contract. I think the Diamondbacks probably were pretty active in shopping Madison Bumgarner at the deadline. They got no takers because of the way that he's pitched and the way that that contract is structured. Um, you know, this might be a temporary fix. Hey, get start getting ready for next year. We're you know we're gonna need you. Wink, wink. Um, I don't think he's they're they're not gonna get any takers for him. No, and he's what thirty three years old. Yeah. 
Not the way he's pitching. Why would, third, any team, why would any team trade for him? I mean, it, it's just not necessarily the years, it's the miles. Yeah, right. He's got a lot it's of true. miles on him. It's very, very true. So I, I so I think that's the way I broke that game down. It just it looked to me like, I know what you're saying defensively, because Corbin Carroll butchered that play, then Perdomo short butchered that ground ball. Yeah. But and I, those I, are two good defensive yeah. players. And, and I kind of I kind of just felt that, that that team was just falling apart because they're their starting pitcher was throwing meatballs. Here's the here's a note I made to myself last night because because this game was a nightmare for a while because Madison Bumgarner was so bad. How, Car- how bad, bad was, was he? Corbin Carroll, his second at bat, his second big league at bat, came at eight eleven p.m. Arizona time. An hour and 21 minutes after the game had started. So we saw the first at bat, and then it took forever to get him to the plate again. (laughs) Because the Phillies were just destroying Madison Bumgarner. And and for that baseball team to kind of rally and do that to fill it, that's a good baseball team over there. Yeah. And they're playing for something. Yeah. And they got Bryce Harper back, so they had a lift. They, They had a little boost in their lineup, too. Uh, it was a good win, good performance yeah. by Corbin Carroll, and it was fun to be, uh, at least for a night, excited about Diamondbacks baseball. But you mentioned it, too. Now you got Zach Gallon on the mound tonight against a good lineup, trying to extend, and he's been the best pitcher in the National yeah. League this month. And and on top of that, it's McHail Bridges' night at the ballpark tonight. <laughs> That's yes. right. They're celebrating his birthday tonight. What are they doing? Two... Uh, Two uh, bleacher seats for twenty five oh, bucks. They got no. They got a. They got a they whole. Got a they got a whole on. program, dude. They got a. I think there's a churro dog involved. I think there's there's all sorts. Out the first pitch. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff going on. A Boy, crest white strip giveaway for McElbridge's <laughs> gorgeous right. smile. For his yeah, for his white teeth. How awkward would this night have been if if we had had a fly in from Brooklyn to uh, attend this game? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they probably would have just canceled the event. Crisis averted. Okay, so here's what we're gonna get for. Uh, the planned celebration for Mikhail, a personalized jersey. I, I assume they're giving to him. Um, Is it a Phillies jersey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's the thing. He'll have to put the Diamondbacks jersey on over his Phillies jersey. Oh, here this this will be fun. There's an all stadium happy birthday sing along. That will be fun. <laughs> the Diamondbacks Twitter and Instagram profile are going to change for the game to a photo of Mikhail Bridges. All right. What was the bet that he made with the Diamondbacks, by the way? Because this is a payoff of a bet. Do you remember what that bet was? It had to, It was about the series in Philly. Okay. Something about a sweep. Didn't <laughs> Philly sweep them in, in Philadelphia? Okay. Yeah, I think if, you're probably if memory right. Serves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be funny. Michael <laughs> Bridges Appreciation Day. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Two bleacher tickets for twenty five bucks. What a deal! What Man. no better time to be a Diamondbacks fan than right now. Well, I, for maybe in 2001, in all of history, unless you're waiting outside Yankee Stadium trying to get a ticket Ooh, that didn't ouch. exist. Dang. Ouch! Ouch! <laughs> Coming up next, <laughs> if you had pre-ordered your Cleveland Browns Jimmy Garoppolo jersey. Look, I don't know what to tell you. He's not going anywhere. We'll get into that and some NFL hash marks next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata hash marks. <laughs> Essentially, a situation where they gave Jimmy Garoppolo a restructured one-year deal that basically assures that he's in San Francisco this season. It includes a no-trade clause. It includes a no-franchise clause. So they cannot trade him. They cannot keep him. They've reworked the contract, essentially dramatically lowering the guaranteed money that was due to him. Now he will stay there as the number two. 
in San Francisco, and it will be a situation where he will be the number two quarterback behind Trey Lance under a rework contract that frees cap room for the 49ers. Adam Schefter from ESPN with the details of Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> getting his uh, contract reworked so they're not paying him that massive $25 million salary for this year, but they are bringing him back as a still very highly paid backup quarterback, which you want to talk about two sides of the coin here. Trey Lance is the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, and now you've put him in a situation where You've indicated to him you don't have confidence, yep. and he's always looking Indeed. over his shoulder. Indeed. But the organization, with a Super Bowl-caliber roster everywhere else, now feels better about the situation because they got a safety net named Jimmy You're right. Garoppolo. You're right. It's the last thing the 49ers wanted to do, and it's the most appropriate thing they could do to protect the integrity of the upcoming season. That that became obvious to, to anybody who watched Trey Lance play in that last preseason game. Kid still has a lot of promise, but he ain't there yet. And that's that's a big ask for a kid to carry a roster that good and 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 with those kind of expectations. So uh, it's it's interesting to me how this is going to look because Jimmy Garoppolo had gotten fed up with the 49ers to the point where he wasn't even on the same practice field as his teammates. He would be off by himself on another practice field doing his workouts and his drills and the like. Wasn't even a part of the team. Uh, we've heard stories in reporting about how he ghosted the 49ers. And and so the 49ers have been trying to replace him now for quite some time. And, and you could understand his his disappointment for for them to come to this agreement with the promise they are going to let him go next year if he wants. Yes, that that I, I it's it's really it's a sign of of their desperation, their uncomfort with Trey Lance because everything the last thing you wanted to do in theory was have Trey Lance looking over his shoulder to have people doubt what he's what he can bring to the football team they just assured that the pressure is going to be tripled yep ESPN's Bill Barnwell now and what the uh, 49ers have opened themselves up to let me ask you this let's say Trey Lance struggles in week two or week three what do you do do you bring in Jimmy Garoppolo? Can you take Trey Lance out of the lineup? Are there going to be people in that locker room, let alone the fans, who are going to call for Jimmy the first time Trey Lance struggles? To me, I think once you close that door on Jimmy Garoppolo, you can't open it up again. And to me, I think the Niners, by doing this, even if they trade him later in the season or plan on trading him later in the season, they're reopening that door to Jimmy Garoppolo ever so slightly. I agree with part of what Bill Barnwell said. I think absolutely Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starting quarterback again this year for the San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm. Not in week one, maybe not in week two, Soon. but at that yep. first sight, why else would you bring him back? Because, because you know your other guy probably is not going to be ready. And, and, and this, look, the Cardinals kind of set the standard. When they drafted a quarterback at number 10 overall, they threw him into the fire on a very bad football team, and they moved on. They got another quarterback number one overall the next year. So they've kind of ripped that Band-Aid off for other teams to do that. But what the San Francisco 49ers did to give up everything they did to to move up to get Trey Lance, while they had a good football team with a winning quarterback... Mm -hmm. That is a, a recipe that just doesn't work. It, it, listen, I, I think they've done a lot of great things organizationally, getting their franchise back on track. 
that is that is a colossal blunder. It's almost as if they just got greedy and said, hey, we I need a quarterback. We need to get a guy. See what's Arizona's got Kyler Murray and 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 you know all that kind of stuff. And I think Kyle Shanahan and his and his conceit and his desire to have his own guy, I think it led them to a place where they traded all that draft capital and you remember how asinine it was. No one knew had any idea who they were gonna take. Yeah. And they were sending off these smokes and go, Oh, we might take him. But we might take him. And it's like, whoa. Yeah, in real time, smoke that, signals this week about what they were going to do with yeah, Garoppolo. Right, smoke right. signals is their business. In real time, that felt so weird because you're like, you traded all that to move up, and you didn't have a specific that's, player that's in mind. The thing. That's that's the thing, and 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 they, I don't know, I don't remember what they gave up, but it was a lot. It was like four, five draft picks. I don't know. It was a lot. So this is um, this is the first sign of of admission that this Trey Lance thing might not be working out for the 49ers. This might go down as a uh, a classic blunder for them. Yeah. So with the Jimmy G thing settled, now the biggest quarterback mystery or the the longest standing story in the NFL is the contract status of Lamar Jackson with the Baltimore Ravens. He was uh, on Twitter yesterday responding to people. He was. Um, somebody had tweeted out. Uh, about uh, Baltimore offering him $250 million guaranteed. Uh, just some random follower. He wanted more. They already offered that. Lamar Jackson responded with, no, they didn't. <laughs> No, somebody, they didn't offer more than somebody that. Somebody tweeted a picture of Lamar Jackson photoshopped into a Miami Dolphins jersey. He clicked like on that. Are we at this point now? Okay, here's where I think we're at. I think there's a groundswell of support happening for Lamar Jackson from people in and around football that, like, really, you're not going to pay this guy? Uh, Come on, Baltimore. I think that is starting to happen. Is this going to get done before week one? I I don't know the point of it if Lamar Jackson is going to continue to play because if, if it heightens the tension between him and the Ravens, he doesn't have a clean out after the season. I mean, the Ravens can keep franchise tagging him and all that for a couple of years and that stuff. So I, I, I don't know why he's insisting on the 100% guaranteed contract other than maybe wanting to be the trendsetter to, to kind of pick up the torch that Eric Burkhart dropped. Plus ego. Plus ego, maybe. But he doesn't strike me as that egomaniacal. He doesn't. I, he might be, but he doesn't strike me that way. If he were really about... That money, he would have cashed in already. I think he's kind of playing a dangerous game here. Yeah, um, but for his own for his own future. And I'm saying, look, week one was that cutoff. Remember, Lamar Jackson put the drew the line in the sand. Yeah. Week one gets here, negotiations are off. He didn't say whether or not he was going to sit or if he was just going to table it till the end of the year, which might actually work to his benefit if Dan Orlovsky of ESPN is right. And the guy who I do think is going to win MVP is in Baltimore. I think Lamar Jackson is going to absolutely fling the NFL this year. They added Tyler Linderbaum at center. Lamar's finally healthy off of that injury last year. Rashad Bateman and year two. They got three tight ends in Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle, and Isaiah Likely, who's a rookie for them, that are going to play awesome football. That's the strength when Lamar is at his best with those multiple tight ends in the field. I think he's going to have an even better performance than he did in his 2019 MVP season. That would be something. And it would also be a major victory in the, hey, I bet on myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, certainly. Thinking. Certainly. I would think that the Ravens, if it, if it matters... To reward the right kind of guys, perceptually, the, the Ravens really should try to get this done. I, I, again, I, I don't know the finances of, of Steve Biscotti, but 
This is a guy he's pretty this, well off. Yeah, he's pretty well right. Exactly. <laughs> this is if you if you're not going to invest fully in Lamar Jackson, who are you going to invest in? And that's the kind of thing that can turn a locker room against the front office. Hey, and on the Ravens side, they could say, "Look, Lamar, we just won three big preseason games instead of a streak, and we didn't need you in those games. We've got Tyler Huntley. Listen, I like his backup, and 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 again, I think that. Um, I think Lamar Jackson, the, the last thing you want to see happen to him is to him bet on himself and then suffer some catastrophic knee injury. And then, and then because what Jerry Colangelo once did for Danny Manning, it, that's not going to happen in the NFL. No. 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 <laughs> no. Yeah, let's face it. That was 20-plus yeah. years ago that Jerry Colangelo did mm-hmm. that for Danny Manning. Right. The money, true. money was not as astronomical back then. That's a good point. Coming up next, it's cut-down day in the NFL. Will Andy Isabella get a visit from the Turk? We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.